Hi, everybody. <laughs> okay. Hi, everybody. That's what I like to hear. Good to see you. Um, so glad to be with you today. We are in a teaching series uh, called Jesus. He changed everything about everything. We are in week number 18, um, and we're going to keep going for a while. Is that okay with everybody? All right. We're just going to keep talking about Jesus because here's what we're finding. This is really amazing. We are finding that when we talk about Jesus, we actually talk about really important things because Jesus actually considered most of his conversations and his teachings about the things that mattered most in life. And so when you, when you find yourself just continually going back to the red letters, to the words of Jesus and to the teachings of Jesus, you just find yourself centering and revolving around the things that matter most to us. And, uh, and so we've been having these conversations the last number of weeks. We've been talking about breakthrough um, and, and praying breakthrough and some really good stuff about just trusting the Lord with things and, and wanting to see him move and new ways in our lives, uh, everything from just, hey, God, we want more of you, to reaching out like the bleeding woman did for healing, to reaching out to Jesus. I mean, just different ways that we just, we just believe that God is calling us into, into new places and to, into trusting him for more things. And today I want to continue the conversation that we've been having, but I want to talk about something specific um, in this context of breakthrough. Uh, I, I want to talk about Jesus and money, and I almost like stutter, right, as I come out. But, but Jesus actually talked about money quite a bit. Um, he talked about money and possessions, and, and this subject is, is, is one that's always, uh, for some people, it's like, okay, where's he coming from on this? And if you're new to church, um, maybe that's what, you know, you come here for the first time, and we want to talk about money. But it's sort of like, in the church, money's treated like, you know, the conversations about politics and religion in life. You don't talk about those ones. Those are like the ones you don't talk about politics you know, religion and money, because they're very personal issues, and I agree. They are very personal, but here's what I love about it, is Jesus always talked about very personal things. <laughs> That's what he does. He talks about things that really matter to us, and so we've been, we've been working on money in our house, by the way, um, with Grayson specifically. Grayson's our five-year-old, and I, I, have, I could tell a story every week on Grayson, and I do most every week, um, <laughs> but he he doesn't necessarily understand the value or the difference between a $1 bill and a $20 bill. You know what I mean? It's just, they're both just paper money. And, um, and so the other day he was like, hey, Dad, I want to get a new toy. And I was like, ah, buddy, I don't think you have enough money to go get a new toy. He said, hey, well, just go to the store. And when you give them money, they'll give you, the money, they'll give you money back and just use that money. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, and he was like, you give them a $10 bill, they give you three back. He's like, they gave you more back. I'm like, I wish it worked that way, man. That would be awesome. He, he actually prefers coins to dollars. Like, he prefers coins. So I can, like, literally give him 17 cents, and he's like, yes, look at all this money that Dad gave me. And um, so for Christmas, I'm just going to get him a roll of quarters and <laughs> individually wrap each one. And <clears throat> so we are not talking about Grayson economics today, um, although I wish we could. But, yeah, I do want to talk about Jesus and money. Um, and as we get going... I, this is one of those subjects, as I mentioned, that is one that for a lot of people is an awkward one to have. Um, and so I say that. And for some of you that have been in church a long time, it's not. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll move way beyond that. Um, it's not awkward anymore. But I, I just want to be sensitive to the fact that there's some maybe new people to church, maybe new to this church. Um, and I hope that today this isn't an awkward conversation, that this is a refreshing one. Because I really believe it can be. Like, I want to talk about the things that Jesus talks about. And Jesus talks about this very subject, and I, 
I get excited about it because there's so much promise in it and there's so much, there's so much good in it that it's something that whenever I am exposed to the truth, what the word says about this area of my life, it's so exciting because God actually cares a lot about it. And I don't know about you, but I was thinking about this morning, I just wrote on this little sticky note here. I was like, I wonder how many need breakthrough financially in this room. How many need the Lord's direction with their money? How many have a need right now that you're just like, man, God, I, I don't know how, many, how we're going to meet that need. And, and I was thinking about that, and I go, this is, this is something that's so, that's so relevant to our lives, and it's so in front of us every day. Um, so I believe it's our job as a church to... Um, to shepherd us, each other, and our job as a, as a pastor even is to shepherd us gently in the things that the Lord says, and so that's what we're going to do. So, you ready to jump into the deep end of the pool? Let's do this. Uh, you know the old saying, first things first? Yeah? Okay, cool. First things first. Um, let's consider that saying in the context of Scripture. Um, and what are the, some of the first things that we really come across? Because if you're going to say, what does the Bible really talk about? Uh, well, it talks about a lot of things. Um, but if we were just going to look at some of the main subjects, like, for example, prayer, there's over 500 verses in the Bible about prayer. There's over 500 verses in the Bible about faith. So prayer and faith are obviously very central concepts to the Bible. Um, but there are over 2,000 verses about money, possessions, and, 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 the, and the context of giving. And so if you're just thinking from a, a biblical kind of perspective, it's easy to say from a biblical standpoint, money is a central subject. And how you and I handle it reveals volumes about our priorities, our loyalties, our affections, all those sorts of things. And so my prayer today is that you would allow God, because some of us in this room, we feel like we already got this one covered. We already know what we think. Some of us are maybe closed. Some of us are maybe open. And I'm just going to pray that, um, that the Lord would give us a fresh uh, perspective, if you will, on what the Word teaches us about this. So, um, I keep thinking about this, honestly, in the context of, of breakthrough as well. And if we want more of God in our life, which I'm hoping you do, uh, well, I would, I would have to say, who's to say that God's not saying, oh, I have breakthrough for you, but it's going to come in the form of trusting me with your money and your livelihood. And when you do that, I have a breakthrough coming for you that, you that you won't believe. You want to see the miraculous? You want to see me move? Trust me and trust me what I've written in my word. And if, and if you do that, I believe God's promises are actually that. They're promises. They're things that um, will actually be fulfilled. God's promises are always fulfilled. So Jesus changes everything about everything, including our understanding of money, our understanding of what's rich, what's poor, and our understanding of what's ours and what's God's in this world. And so... I want to come face to face with the scriptures. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with some of the things that Jesus said, but we're also going to kind of flip around in the Bible a little bit today. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke 16. We'll start there. This is where Jesus, Jesus talks. By the way, Jesus talked about money in 16 and it's 38 parables. So if you wonder if Jesus talked about money, um, yes, he did quite a bit. Uh, and we're not going to cover all of them today, but I know you wish we could. Luke uh, 16, starting in verse 10, this is at the end of one of those parables. He says this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. 
So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus, which I've always wanted to know what that meant, sneering. Um, he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. So we could say a lot of things about this passage. Uh, I'm going to try and summarize this with a question, um, and I'll just put it on the screen. And the question is this, have you been trustworthy with what you've been given? This is what Jesus is saying, isn't he? He's saying, listen, he's saying a couple things in it, but at the heart of it is this, you've been given a lot, or maybe you've been given some, or maybe you've not been given very little, or, or maybe you've been given very little, but in any of those contexts, have you been trustworthy with what you've been given? Have you been trustworthy? And then he, he, he gets into this idea of the master's role in our life, right? That there are sometimes that there's these two masters that, that kind of come up, and it's, money can be a very deceiving thing, meaning it can take the master's role in our life so quickly. And Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Money can easily get there by the way we make our decisions, by our priorities, the accumulation of, of purchasing more things. I don't know about you, but how many of us have, have wanted more things in life? Have we dreamed about more things in life? I get it. We've all done it. But what happens is there's this role that possessions and money and all these sorts of things play into our life where they become actually first in our life. And Jesus is saying something here that's actually very, 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 very central to the whole Bible. He says you can't have two masters. God must be first. This is what he's saying. God's got to be first. So we're going to kind of play on this idea. And I'm going to read a couple verses real quick. Um, that just says, this is what Jesus is teaching us. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other. Or we, this, so this is just like the Luke one, but it's just a little different. Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the, the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Again, he's talking about God must be first. Matthew 22, 37. We all know this verse. Love the Lord with all your, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This is him talking about the greatest commandment, that we should make the Lord number one. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. John 13, 13, which I really love this verse. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. And he's saying that, and he's saying, listen, I'm proclaiming I am Lord. Jesus is number one. Jesus is number one, <laughs> right? So what comes first to you? And this is a real question. So if you think we're talking about money, <laughs> we're talking about your life. What comes first? Literally, what comes first to us? When it comes, what comes first to us with our, with our money? Have we been trustworthy with what we've been given? This is the key question for you today that you have to consider because let's be honest about this, can we? Does the concept of honoring God and maybe giving to God come first to you? And you're like, well, I mean, what do you mean? Let's just make this real practical. For most of us, bills come first. A house mortgage a car payment, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, Starbucks, <laughs> saving for vacations. Those are, the, those are the things when it comes to our money that we start to prioritize around. 
So when you sit down and work on your budget, what comes first? What's the thing that can't budge? What's the thing that everything else is built off of? Can we get that practical? When I look at my budget, I have to ask myself, what is the centerpiece? What do I pay before I pay anything else? Do you understand what I'm saying? So what comes first? This is a critical acknowledgement to yourself. What's the Lord of your life? And Jesus says, you can't have two masters. You can't have just, you can't, you can't have God and money. But if you can't have God be the master of your money. So let's look at what the word says about this whole thing. And we're going to kind of, but I would say this, the most important scriptural truth that you gain from the biblical narrative about life and when it comes to our money is that God must come first. This is the most important scriptural truth we find. My experience with the world, that's not how we, that's not how we do it. Our wants, our needs, our, the things that we want to do, they come first. And if we have enough room to give, we do it. We give what we can, when we can. So, well, like I said, I want to look at what the Word says, and we're going to go outside of just the, the Gospels because I think that there's so much in the Bible that's really, really good and really, really helpful for us. And Jesus actually points to all these things, by the way. Everything that Jesus is saying is supportive of even what you find in the Old Testament. So if you're someone that goes, hey, the tithe is an Old Testament principle, well, let me just read a verse to you, okay? Here we go. Matthew 5, 17 through 19. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets, now, this is Jesus speaking about the Old Testament, okay? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, to make them walk and breathe. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called the great, be called great in the kingdom of heaven. This is, this is really big. So for the people that don't necessarily like love to read the Old Testament, um, well, Jesus is actually saying, you know what? I actually didn't come to abolish that. I came to fulfill it. Now, the law is different. You don't live under the law. Uh, through Jesus, we get salvation. I mean, there's a whole bunch here that we can teach on we're not going to get into. But Jesus did come and he changed everything. But he said, listen, I actually fulfilled the promises of the law now. And so we can look at other verses that I think really are going to help us today. So basically he's telling us the whole Bible matters. Jesus came as a fulfillment. Proverbs, we'll, we'll jump to this, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. <laughs> okay, how many of you guys have... Go ahead. How many of you guys have heard this idea of first fruits before? Anybody? Okay, so some of us have, some of us don't know a lot about it. Let me explain it to you in case you haven't. This idea of first fruits and, uh, comes in the scriptures, and it's related to your wealth and your livelihood. Because here's what we all know, the Bible, especially the Old Testament, it's a very agricultural society, right? Everything is, re is related to either your crops or to your, your, your goats, right? Like how many goats do you have, right? That kind of stuff. And it has all sorts of all sorts of instruction on what to do with your possessions in the Old Testament. Everything, even at, at one point, they tell, they tell you, don't boil a young goat in the mother's milk. 
you know, stuff like that. <laughs> really normal stuff. I thought that was funny. Um, <clears throat> but this is the ancient world dealing with the agricultural society. So you were required often to give the firstborn of maybe a flock you had or the first fruits of the crop of, of your crops would be a sacrifice to the Lord and people would bring that to the temple. And then keep in mind, we'll talk about this in a second, and all of your increase, you would, you would make sure you, you gave from that as well. So let me give you the next slide, Exodus 23, 19. Bring the first of the first fruits of your land. You shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. We, we're not going to stick in all this, you know, first fruit language forever here, but remember what are we talking about? God must be first. Okay, so there's, there's, there's a reason we're talking about first fruits here. So this is extremely important. Um, it says that she wants you to bring the first of your first fruits. Now, let's imagine you're a farmer, okay? And you have an apple orchard. That's what you farm, apples. You make apple pies and apple cider and apple fritters and apple jacks and all sorts of apple items. You know what I mean? And this is what you produce for the community is apple-y things. Well, you believe that this year you're going to yield 1,000 apples, so the first of the first fruits means when you get your first 100 apples, you give them before you get the other 900. You trust the Lord is going to provide the other 900. First of the first fruits means your first 100 apples go to the temple. And you trust that the Lord will provide the others. Oh, and, on, and then your increase, if you get 1,500 apples, guess how many more you bring? Fitty red delicious apples. You bring those as well. And so this is, this is what he's teaching them. Now, you're like, where's this 10% where's this come from? Why am I working on 10%? Well, next slide, Leviticus 27.30. And all of the tithe, which the tithe is, it means 10%, of the land, whether of seed of the land or of the fruit of tree, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. So there's this understanding that starts to build among God's people that 10%, the first 10% is the Lord's. So here we are reading that 10% of your livelihood is holy to the Lord. Now, example of the first fruits in this whole tithing thing is actually found all the way back at the very beginning of Scripture. Genesis chapter 3, and then we'll kind of, I'm giving you all this teaching piece here real quick. But Genesis, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 3, a, couple, a story of a couple brothers, right? Cain and Abel, they were great guys. Um, <clears throat> in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. So if you read this without an understanding of first fruits, you're, you're thinking, why is God like playing favorites between Cain and Abel? Well, you gotta, you gotta look we see Abel brings fat portions from the firstborn of his flock, right? He's bringing from the firstborn, the first fruits. But what, is, what does Cain do? In the course of time, he brought some of the fruits. So what's happening? Eventually, he got around to giving God something. The Lord looked with favor on Abel, but not on Cain's offering. So is it possible that God is looking for some order to the way you use your money? 
some sort of priority of how you view it and even use it. By the way, aren't you glad this isn't about fat portions anymore? I am. I do not want any fat portions in the baskets. <laughs> Actually, by the time Jesus comes around, it's about money for the most part. Um, but back then, yeah, cutting off some fat portions on your way to church wouldn't be... Anyway, the Word makes some very clear statements. The Word teaches that we are to give of our first fruits and we are to give, and we are to give a tithe. So the tithe, the 10%, by the way, is the baseline. It's the starting line. <laughs> so many people, they're like, it's almost like you're like, you're, you're like trying to get there. You're like efforting. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got to get there. And then finally you get to the point, you're like, I finally gave 10%, God. You know what I mean? You're like, and you're like, and it's like you, find, you think it's the finish line. You know what I'm saying? Like that we have to get there, but it's actually the starting line is the way God's word teaches it. It's where we begin, and then we trust that he's going to give us more. We, we trust that he's going to take care of us. Um, and so really... Our heart should be, God, of course, I'm going to do what your word teaches. You've already taken care of me so much, and I'm going to trust that when I give what you've asked me to give out of obedience and as an act of worship, I'm going to, I'm going to give what you asked me to give. I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of me more. So here's, here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear something today. You know that God creating giving, he created giving for you. He didn't create it for himself. He didn't need the money, just so you know. He wants to form our heart. He wants us to learn, learn how to trust him. And he also wants us to see how he does immeasurably more when we do. To be willing to say, of course, God, you can take my first 100 apples because I know you'll provide what I need. He doesn't need our money. God doesn't need you to give. You need you to give. In case you haven't figured it out, this message is not about our church. It's not about, it's not even about, really about money. It's really about your life. It's really about, it's really about you and the Lord. And how are you positioning him and putting him first in your life? So every time, whenever I've thought about this conversation around money, I think so many times people have manipulated it. People have marred the real picture of it. And they've made it about dollars and cents, especially in the context of the church. I don't know if anybody's with me on that. And, they, and they, they say, oh, we need you to give to a particular you know, need or vision. And all those things are fine and good. But at the end of the day, the reason we give, the reason we give is because we believe Jesus is Lord. The reason we give is because it's what his word teaches. That's why we give. It's because we want to trust him and his word, and we want to make Jesus more in our lives. So where do you, this is my favorite part, where do you give your tithes to? I'm just kidding, it's not my favorite part, it's my least favorite part. It, because it, it seems so self-serving, but it, it really isn't. Um, I'm going to go back to that uh, Exodus passage. Um, what is that? Exodus 23, yeah. Bring the first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring them to the house of the Lord your God. So the scripture is saying that the first, the first, the first fruits, or, or the tithe, so to speak, comes to the church. I'm just reading the Bible. And I say that, this is God's design. I didn't say it, the Bible did. And, and I say that from a standpoint of, one friend told me this a long time ago, and I loved it. Um, I say a long time ago, it was just a few years ago, and he said, 
He said, you know, I don't give to a church. I don't give to OKC Community Church. I give to God. And God's design is that I give my offerings to his bride, the church. And that's what you're giving to, is that you're giving to the Lord. God doesn't need you to give, but you need you to give. Um, and I just, I, I was thinking about this, just how much um, my heart breaks that we haven't figured this one out. This has become, whenever, it's kind of even funny whenever I say, oh, I'm going to talk about giving, and I'm talking to people that, people like cringe, and they go, oh, man, that's going to be a tough one. Are you going to be okay? And I'm like, listen, this, this is so much a part of the Christian life that we would get this. You know, there was a study done um, a few years ago about how active church goers were doing in the area of giving. Uh, you, pr you probably won't be surprised by this, but active churchgoers, not just professed Christians that don't go to church, active churchgoers gave 1.7% of their annual salaries. Could you imagine if the church actually tithed, if we lived the tithe? Can you imagine how, I mean, perhaps we would actually be the church that um, is taking care of the needs of the world. Perhaps we'd actually be the church that could go out and actually fight world hunger. <laughs> Perhaps we'd actually be the church that could, that could do whatever we wanted to in this city for the sake of those who, are, who need Jesus and who need help. But you know what? Instead, we're, the church holistically is fighting for financial survival. That's just the practical piece of it. And that's why I say my heart breaks that we can't get this because we are not making Jesus Lord as the church holistically. And if you want any proof, it's right here. Because every once in a while, I'm so anti-numbers, if you don't know me that well, meaning I'm like, oh, numbers are good, but they are only one measuring stick. They're only one measuring stick, and I have a lot of other measuring sticks about the quality and the, and of what's going on in a church body especially. I usually measure things by stories. Do we see the stories of what we want to be happening? But there is one metric that I think is true in numbers, and it's this one I'm talking about right here. 1.7% is a real number that holistically the church is saying, we're not going to be obedient to God's word. That's what's happening. So I'm not here to beat anyone up. I'm really not. Definitely not trying to guilt any of us. I'm just trying to show you the word. Check out what it says in Malachi 3. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So that part doesn't feel good. But listen to this part. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be a food in my house. And then he says, test me in this. God doesn't say test me much. But he says it here, like, you can test me. And see if I do not throw open. Now, <laughs> I, want if, I want this. To throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Isn't that nuts? A couple things. Obviously, God writes that we're robbing him when we withhold our tithes and offerings. Um, 
when the church gives 1.7%, I think, I think that's true. And so many try and over, over, overlook a passage like this and say, like I mentioned earlier, oh, that's the Old Testament. But in verse 6, I, I didn't have that on the verse. I started in, a, started in verse 8, but two verses above it, it, it says this, I, the Lord, do not change. Meaning I'm the same yesterday, today, and in the future. This is when Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. In fact, none of the law is going away until the earth has disappeared. I, the Lord, do not change. So I read a passage like Malachi and go, okay, test him. You can test me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. God doesn't need you to give. You need you to give. Do you understand that? We don't give to get here. We don't give out of a name it, claim it kind of mentality. We don't give because... We give because it's in his word. <laughs> when you make him first, when you give the tithe because it's a starting line, you start the journey of becoming truly generous. You say, that's really where this is leading, isn't it? That we don't let money and possessions be the master that we aren't selfish and greedy, but that he's, he's releasing us into a new person. One that is a cheerful giver. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. I love that. That we wouldn't give with like hands gripping <laughs> as we let it go, right? That we would be able to get to the point where this is an act of worship that it's, a, it's truly a place that in which we say, God, this is all yours anyway. I freely give this. You know, our church has always been a generous church. It's really pretty cool, actually. There's so many things that I could say, but our church has been a generous church. God provokes people in this church, and I've seen acts of generosity that are mind-blowing. You know, last year... Um, earlier this year, actually, there's a mom coming, and some of you remember the story, a mom coming, four kids, she was walking to church. She was just living here temporarily, but everybody's like, she needs a car. A bunch of people gave over and above, and they bought this woman a car. It was a nice car, by the way. You know, people, people just do stuff, right? We have 15 babies in this church in the last 15 weeks. And everybody's like, oh, I'm going to bring them food and I'm going to bring them get. I mean, I just see it happen over and over again, right? People are generous. And I, and I, and I believe that God leans in, helps. He, wherever there's a strength, he's like, oh, there's more. It's immeasurably more. Like, a lot of times people think God leans into our weaknesses. And sometimes he might. Sometimes he will do that and say, you know what? You need to work on this. And some of us, not everybody in here is equally strong in this, but as a church, I would say there's, there's a spirit of generosity here, and I think he wants to lean in more to that. And he wants this church to be an example of how we put Jesus first, that we put God first in all things. 
So if you want to see breakthrough in your life, you want to see more of God, I believe that there's some people in this, in this room that you're like, I have no idea how to tithe. You don't understand, Tim. Like, we overspend every month and we haven't tithed in years and I don't know what to do about it. We can't make it happen. Test him. I can say it. You know why? Because he said it. Test him. You know how many times I've heard that story and someone said, I started doing it and then I don't even know how it happened, but we were able to afford a tithe and then we always had money left over at the end of the month. I believe some people are going to do that where you're going to trust the Lord and you're going to start tithing and you're going to see God break through in that area of you. I also believe some of you, some of you have something in front of you right now that's, a, that's scary. Like you have a lot of debt and you're like, I'm trying to figure this out. And what I'm saying to you is put God first. That, that debt can't be first anymore. That debt can't be first anymore. God has to be first. And guess what? He will bring breakthrough in your life and you'll start to see because you put him first, he will, he will help you solve that debt issue. I also believe that some of us in this room, some of us in this room, we're tithing right now. But we're tithing almost out of routine. We don't even think about it anymore. You started doing it when you were a young adult or maybe when you were some years ago or whatever, and you've been doing it for years. And here's the thing that the scriptures teach, right? The scriptures actually don't teach us to stop at the tithe. They actually tell us to start at the tithe. And so for some of us in here, I think God's going to call you to radical acts of generosity that you never saw coming. And which it's not just going to be giving to the church. It's going to be giving to other places too. It's going to be giving to people. It's going to be saying, you know what? God's provided and I can do this. I actually believe that all those three things I just said are, are, are going to happen to people in this room. Some of you are going to start tithing. You don't know how you're going to do it because you can't make it happen right now. Some of you are facing debt and you're, you've made that number one. You've been trying to tackle that for a long time and it's time for you to make God number one. And some of you are tithing, but it's time to take the next step and say, you know what? God's called me to be a radically generous person. So let's go back to that question. Are you being trustworthy with what the Lord has given you? What time is it? Okay, we're good. Are you being trustworthy with what the Lord has given you? You know, um, whenever I was a young adult, Christy and I, we, we started giving um, kind of because that's what the Word taught. And so we started giving uh, our tithe. And uh, About eight or nine years ago, I read a book called Blessed Life by Robert Morris and changed my whole understanding about this whole God is first idea. And I'd recommend that book, by the way. Um, because I found myself, you know, it was part of our budget, but it, what, he wasn't first. Does that make sense? And so I would shuffle stuff around. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this month I got to do this. We'll catch up later. We'll do this. You don't want to, come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I really felt conviction that I need, we need to make God first in our money. Just so you know, since then, um, we've not always been perfect. We've struggled at times here and there, but we always come back to this place of knowing what God's word says and living into it. And uh, we've always given faithfully, but we've done better at other times, just like all of us have. And uh, But whenever we are giving the way Jesus wants us to give, it is a joy 
to give. And it is worship, an act of worship. And, and he's provided. I mean, can I just be really vulnerable? Planning a church is not the most financially easy thing to do. Like we, we trusted the Lord here. We trusted him. We didn't know where the money was coming from. And we lived, and at times even now, live having no idea how God continues to take care of us. Because the dollars in someone else's pocket that isn't honoring the Lord would have not done with the dollars in our pocket and how God has done and worked through that. And I'm saying that from a very humble, like, test the Lord in this place. He will take care of you. We have a generous God. He'll give us abundantly more. Um, all right, here's how I'd like to close. I, I want to do something different. I have these little cards. Uh, they're on your chairs. and um, you, can, you can grab that if you want. But it just has two questions on it. The front side says your prayer. Do you need to trust God more in your life, specifically with your money? If so, what is a focused prayer that you have? And on the back side, it says your story. And here's what I know is that there's some people that have a great story of how God has worked in your, the area of your money in your life. And I'd love for you to write it down. And maybe just a, you probably can't write it all on this card, but write a little bit of it. How has God shown you his faithfulness as you've trusted him with your money, giving and tithing? And the reason that I have these on a card is there's a couple. I want you to think about it, too, first of all, and this be a good response for you to the Lord today. But the other piece that I would really enjoy is that this idea of your prayer, we actually would love for you to turn these in if you feel comfortable. You don't have to. You can turn them in anonymously or with your name on them. But we want to pray uh, as, as the staff here, um, pray over people this week in the area of financial breakthrough. And then some of you have a great story to tell, and we, we need you to tell it. Um, we want to hear it, but then some of you might actually need to tell it to this church body. And so if you'd write that down, um, I'd love for some stories to be told about what God's doing in this area. And so when you leave, you can drop this card off with us. But, um, but before you get to the dropping it off and thinking about all that, I just want you to think about a prayer and a story. And if you only have, if you don't have a story yet, just do the prayer. You know what I'm saying? And so we're not singing today. We're sitting and writing today. Is that a little different? We're going to respond to the Lord for five minutes or so, just writing on this card for a minute. Um, some of these, some thoughts that come to mind. So God, I just pray now that as we take these few minutes to respond to you, that God, uh, you would provoke prayers, you would provoke stories. God, this is all about making you first in our lives. So God, we give you these next few minutes. In your name we pray. Amen.